You may have heard about the citizens in Bristol, Virginia, battling to keep their town from being invaded by the abortion industry. Well, now we learn that the abortion center at the middle of it all stands accused of manipulating a 15-year-old girl into an abortion against her will and without parental consent. Plus, we'll update you on the battle for life in the Virginia legislature. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, before we get into this shocking and very revealing lawsuit about this abortion center, I did want to just catch up on how you're feeling about all this crazy news out there lately. I mean, we've got these mysterious spy balloons from China floating around, and then we've got these uh, artificial intelligence things in our search (laughs) engines. Which one do you find more disturbing? Uh, Yeah. all of the above is that a fair is that a fair answer? I I, I laughed though when the spy balloon thing happened about the Babylon Bee's reaction to it. I don't know if you saw the title. They they said something like you know President Biden will shoot it down after it's done spying. And I thought why did we do that? So yeah, I was a little disturbed by that whole thing. But AI long term might be more scary. <laughs> well, the thing yeah about President Biden shooting them down because we do nothing for days. Right? Why do we and let them watch? I mean, let's surveil the whole country <laughs> and then we'll do something. And then we're shooting down apparently people's little science projects. Oh, I, no, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, there was like this little young science club and they're like, where's our little balloon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Did I you mean, guys hear about the Goodyear balloon? No. NASCAR? Yeah, well, so Goodyear, um, it has an LED screen on the bottom so it can do messages and it wrote, don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it should because apparently it's, who knew? I Yeah, I that's that's crazy. That uh, I, I would say this. I had no idea that a balloon would ever be used in spying. I guess I'm a little naive, but I just sort of thought we were a little more high-tech yeah, than it's that. Weird. It sounds very low-tech, but actually I guess it's to avoid all the high-tech, right? That's yeah, why. I, I did think I just stepped back into some retro movie like Sky Captain and Rule of Tomorrow or something felt like that. It was just it was just bizarre. But real quick on the artificial yeah. intelligence, did you see this New York Times reporter that had this two-hour chat uh, with, I guess, Microsoft's new artificial intelligence search engine system, and it, it told him that her, her, I guess her name is Sydney, and that she was falling in love with him. And then it started attacking his marriage. So there's <laughs> debate. There's debate. And people are actually wondering if this was like a sentient being coming to life or <laughs> or it was just drawing from all the things from the past that it could collect on the Internet. Okay, so first of all, I have to ask, just because we do these issues, whether these AIs are actually binary, like are they actually oh, male no. or female? So I have to ask that and question Sydney's because you said it's a, a fe- neutral. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe it's not necessarily okay. And then I have to wonder if we are remotely letting them pretend they have emotions or can read emotional state, which I hear is part of it. That scares the dickens yeah. out of me. That is horrifying. Um, and. I really don't need people weighing in on my marriage. <laughs> so I can't imagine what this reporter was feeling. I just don't understand. Our grandparents promised us flying cars in the future, <laughs> and we rather got lame, home-wrecking, liberal robots instead. Woke. It's just We have woke AI instead. I mean, did... I don't I don't know who like the age of the people that developed this, but I'm assuming they're roughly my age. Did the millennials learn nothing from Disney's smart house where like the the house was smart and then it like took over and became the mom and oh, I remember that. locked everyone in. Like, <laughs> did we learn nothing from the 90s? 
Well, I know. I mean, okay, but you raise an interesting point because in general, this whole AI concept where essentially like it's writing papers for people now, right? Um, I, I won't reveal which child, but one of my children told me that one of their friends bragged at school about having an AI paper written for him and a teacher walked up. So I'm like, this is the future of education. Yeah. But then it caused me to think, think about this. If these kids all get used to AI when they grow up, so maybe they don't do it during school, but they're going to become adults and they can certainly do that. Then I sit there and think, so it gets more and more intelligent, but the kids, if you're relying on that, you get less and less intelligent, right? You can't, you don't have to write your own paper. So then I think who's going to program the AI down the road? Like, I, I know AI just sort of programs itself, but if we get dumber and it gets smarter, what happens? Or if it's just collecting all of our historical dysfunction over the years, <laughs> then we're just going to get more dysfunctional because that's what it's drawing from. It's disturbing. Which is why we now have a woke AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, all right. Well, I, you could go on and on about that, I think. <laughs> All right, well, diving into today's topic, some of you might remember us talking about how we were helping the people in the Bristol, Virginia community with our Safe Zone for Life initiative. And just in a nutshell, what is going on with that is the community is very concerned about being invaded by the abortion industry because this community is surrounded by all these border states, so to speak. Um, you've got you know, um, West Virginia and Kentucky and Tennessee. And a lot of these states are pretty much banning most abortions. Um, but as you know, sadly, here in Virginia, we're still allowing most abortions. So what's happening is these abortion clinics that want to protect their profits, um, at least, well, at least one major one that was actually at the heart of the Supreme Court Dobbs case, um, decided to cross the state line and come over to Bristol, Virginia to protect its profits. It was obviously losing elsewhere. And so the citizens, you know, and a lot of the citizens in Bristol, Virginia, they didn't want their city to become an abortion tourism destination, basically. So that's why we helped them do this Safe Zone for Life rally where they were able to ask their city council to do an, a zoning, a pro-life zoning ordinance. And that's still in the works, and we'll be updating you on that later. But in the middle of all this, we just want to report there has been this breaking, unexpected development involving this abortion center that's at the middle of all of it. Yeah, I mean, this has been, it's pretty shocking news, really. And um, so what you have is you have a mom, dad, and daughter who together are suing the very same center. You made this point. It's the owner of the center in Mississippi that was at the heart of the Dobbs decision, who is the same center. You know, she owns that. She owns this one that crossed over and owns some other ones. And so it's this its this key player. So they're suing this owner and some other folks involved. And basically what it all has to get proven in court, but what they are alleging is so upsetting. So they're alleging that their 15-year-old daughter was pressured into an abortion at that facility without any of their involvement or consent, which is a law in Virginia. And keep in mind, the daughter is also saying this as part of the lawsuit. It's not like it's just the mom and the dad saying yeah. it. Yeah. The daughter's also saying. Yeah, she the daughter says she... Uh, was pregnant, they describe it as a conscious choice yeah. that she was going to pursue her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So you literally have coerced abortion mm -hmm. by a facility. Yeah, if this is true. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. My first thought when I was reading all the disturbing facts of this case is that here we are again with apparently this situation where a child is removed from the care of a parent 
And you've got these other adults coming in with, with a totally different agenda, and the child is less vulnerable to that. We already dealt with something like that this year. Yeah, I mean, this is this. I mean, it has such themes with what we've been talking about with Sage's Law, where we literally had a child who was removed from the care of their parents, and the next thing we know, they're vulnerable, and these adults are stepping in and steering this child in the wrong direction. It is. It's just amazing the harm that can that can happen to a child when they are outside the protection of their mom and dad. And so, you know, it's hard to know where to start because this case has so many details and what they allege is so disturbing. But basically, the, the details are this. They're suing for $15 million in damages. And so this is going to end up being a, a big case. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, these are all allegations, but um, just to kind of lay out what they're saying, uh, basically, you've got this young girl who was removed from her father's care by a DSS worker and was placed, I guess, with a family friend somehow. But basically, it all happened on the same day or right around the same day that, sh- that there's now this, uh, this appointment that she ends up getting this abortion. And I also have to note that sh- this is in Dickinson County and the abortion is in Bristol. That's at least about, I mean, probably an hour or mm. more. So it's not like they drove to the store. Mm. I mean, they took this girl yeah. into another county to have this abortion. And it basically says that this DSS worker uh, pressured her and that the teen was taken to this facility. And uh, I'm just going to read from the complaint here. It says, quote, the minor informed the facility director that she didn't want an abortion and that she wants to keep her baby. And she remained upset through the process, initially refusing to cooperate with the abortion. So, and then it goes on to conclude that basically they explained the abortion director and the DSS worker, basically the social services worker, eventually persuaded her to have an abortion. Okay, this part is just really heartbreaking to me, but before I get into the details here, I do want to give a quick apparent warning that if you have little ones around, we are going to get into some really disturbing details, so you will want to distract them or, or just put them in a different room or something temporarily. Um, but having said that, You know, this lawsuit says this young teen girl was pressured into a chemical abortion, which is done by taking three pills, one to kill the baby and the other two to expel the child. And it says, quote, the legal complaint says, quote, she left the facility and within 48 hours, her dead baby was expelled from her body. And then it explains that this whole process created, quote, significant pain for her. Um. That, that really is just makes you just kind of want to be still for a moment, recognize what's going on there. And um, Victoria, help us understand from studies and what you know about the type of pain and complications that can arise for, for, you know, for a young girl in this type of situation. Yeah, I mean, this is really, is really terrible. And if, a lot of folks in the pro-life community may have seen the movie Unplanned. Um, and that might lay it out the best for people. Um, that was a, a story of a, of, a, of a woman that was, it's a long story, but basically there's a chemical abortion in the middle of the movie. And um, just the hours and hours of uncontrollable bleeding and thinking that she was going to die. I mean, this woman literally thought she was going to die as a result of the abortion because there was no way this could possibly be the way that it was supposed to go, but vomiting and and, and literally couldn't leave the bathroom for 12 hours mm-hmm. because her body's expelling this. And there are so many risks, um, toxic shock syndrome, I mean, they're bleeding out. I mean, there are so many risks involved with this. The idea that we in any way, at any point in a pregnancy, think that we can hand someone a, a pill or a series of pills take a human life from within them and then just 
let the process happen mm. unregulated, un, mm. unhelped by a doctor or a nurse, to me is or still- Or even counseling professionals. Counseling. I mean, the idea that you go home and handle this yourself, and then yeah. the idea that this child is 15 and expected to do this and outside the care of the love of her mother or father. Yeah, it, I mean, your heart breaks that anyone would think this is an okay situation to put somebody in. Right, and, and we know women experience natural complications, yeah. but this was- if the facts are correct here, what's being alleged, um, coercion. Yeah. You are coercing a child to go through this and then not telling the parents. Yeah, and leaving her to deal with that damage. Yeah, and so. there's and there's also this fact, which is a little unclear, you know, in, in the complaint and in, in the articles, but basically it says she was about three months pregnant. We know that the chemical abortion pill is not supposed to be used. Um, after about 11 weeks and so and then it says something about sort of the the ultrasound is unclear Uh, I don't I don't even understand what that means Um, but what we know is that so many laws have been removed from Virginia's books that the requirement to definitively know the gestational age through an ultrasound Mm -hmm. no longer exists so they're they're guessing they're playing around if they aren't absolutely looking for and doing a good ultrasound and making sure they know the gestational age and it's possible that they should not have even done a chemical abortion at that point Mm -hmm. okay um you know you mentioned that the attorney is saying they took the daughter from the father's care on or close to the same day that she was taken to the abortion center and um, basically pressured into ending the life of her child But there's another situation in this that makes that look even worse. And that is, according to the legal complaint, the very next day after the abortion, the social services staff apparently or allegedly tried to retroactively get permission from courts to skirt the parents. Yeah, that's not a thing. Just FYI for everybody that's um, uh, uh, paying attention to this. It is not a thing to avoid, so the the one law still on the books in Virginia is parental consent, that you have to have a parent, not just knowledge, but sign off that they are involved to care for a child if they're going to go through an abortion. And the idea, and the only, you can get around that in one way, which is that if there's abuse, so if a child is in a home with a per- parent that they think will abuse them as a result of the pregnancy, they can go to a judge and petition for a judicial bypass before before the whole point is before before because if the judge Otherwise, says if pointless. the judge says no this is not how it's supposed to go then you don't move forward without yeah. the parent and so they did it backwards and the judge apparently didn't go for it which i yeah. think is good that we still have a system that that says wait a second that's not, not how the law is supposed to work here. the other thing and this is just uh, you know another point about the laws that have been removed from our books we used to have a 24 hour waiting period and so part of informed consent used to be that you couldn't in, in a very short period of time be put in a situation with an abortion. Part of that is to avoid coerced abortion, to make sure that someone can't literally convince you in a, in a, in a bad moment. Now, we weren't thinking of minors. This would apply to adults as well, but you can't just be coerced into an abortion and then you've carried it out faster than you can even step back from the situation and say, this isn't what I really want. Yeah. Well, another thing I think is very important that you mentioned is that the lawsuit explains that the girl considered the pregnancy, quote, a conscience choice of her conscious choice to, you know, uh, have the pregnancy. And, and it says she intended to take her child to full term and intended to deliver her baby. 
Now, what sticks out to me about that is that we have been hearing ad nauseum this whole General Assembly about how all these efforts to codify unlimited abortion is all about a woman's choice. But apparently this choice was not acceptable. Yeah, no, this is the thing. We, we he, it, it, they, they use words like choice all the time. And you know what's interesting? There were years where we tried to pass a law specifically about coerced abortion. So it was the coerced abortion uh, bill, and we actually tried to pass it. And it's because statistics show anywhere from 40 to 80 percent of women are actually feel coerced into their abortion. Now, how you define that is the difference between 40 and 80 percent. Are we talking literally, you know, someone is pushing them to the facility or are you saying I have absolutely no support my boyfriend is saying I have to do it but the fact that so much of that exists and we clearly have that in this situation this was not her choice this is not a choice that she was remotely interested in making adults were trying to make this choice for her yeah all we heard over and over is this is about women being able to make an individual decision without anyone else involved none of that coercion is ever mentioned you know boyfriends coercing or even uh, family members. And in, in this case, if, if this is correct and this plays out to be correct in court, then you have adults actually in social services and at the abortion center. No so. one ever talks about coerced abortion. And when we were passing parental consent laws, the argument they would use against us is what about the parents that want to force their daughter into an abortion? How about that? And yet, these we, are the situations. We just removed them now from Co the situation. Correct. This is this is the reality. This is why we need yeah. the parental consent laws. And I'm, I, you know, it's just unbelievable that they're not being followed. And we actually have a new pro-life organization in Virginia that's trying to help, called Parents for Life. And their whole, it's formed by a mom who was in this exact situation, who the school took her 14-year-old daughter to go get an abortion, and so she is now fighting back, saying our parental consent laws aren't being followed. And we see an example of that in this story. All right, if you are interested in what we are talking about today, make sure you visit familyfoundation.org. And if you want other people to be aware of what's going on, you know, you can help by giving us a five-star review on the, the forum, uh, like Apple, where you're listening to this podcast, because that helps elevate it where other people can find it. Um, so give us a five-star review and share the podcast with other people. I, I do feel like here we just we do need to pause and just kind of say this because I don't want it to say I, I don't want us to sound like we're glamorizing a teen girl getting pregnant and the idea that she might have chosen that in some way. Um, obviously, this whole situation from the beginning is a situation that is just devastating from the very beginning of her being that young and and being outside of marriage and, and having a child. I mean, all of that. And uh, we don't know everything we don't know those dealing details. with. We, yeah. we, we don't know any of that. So I, I just want to make sure that's clear in all of this. Um, that it obviously it's a hard situation from the right. beginning. Right. But that doesn't mean that you should remove parents completely from the situation. That's when parents are needed. Usually. Them. I yeah. mean, that's usually when you need the parents the most is when and it's a hard situation. Pressure someone into an abortion. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to get back to that other point we were talking about, because I think it's so important that we were hearing about over and over in the General Assembly this time um, from these legislators that were trying to enshrine unlimited abortion into our Constitution. And they kept trying to justify this, talking about a woman's choice and reproductive freedom. So let's just listen to one of those statements, one of many of those statements from Senator Jennifer McClellan, the lead sponsor of that bill dealing with enshrining unlimited abortion into our state constitution. Well, first, decisions about when and how to become a parent should be left to individuals, whether it is a decision over 
sterilization, contraception, or abortion. Healthcare decisions, including reproductive healthcare decisions, should be between patients and their providers. This constitutional amendment restores the right that I had during my childbearing years so that my daughter and my son will have those same rights when they reach their childbearing years. Okay, first of all, did you notice in the example she gave that we had everything, we mentioned sterilization, contraception, and abortion, everything but actually giving birth. I mean, apparently that's not a valued part of reproductive freedom worth mentioning. No, I mean, this is the thing. This is always the way they describe it. It's like we need, basically, we need freedom to have abortion because it's never about really considering all the options. It's never, I mean, adoption is never discussed in there with any, any of any time they're talking about it. Same thing with pregnancy, just carrying your child to term and actually becoming a mom. They never make it sound like that's an equally viable choice when they talk about or these things. Or a good choice or okay. that life and children are, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, from, I would never say it's an equally valid choice. It is a better choice, but for them, you'd think they'd at least acknowledge that's a valid choice for women. And you know what's also ironic is if you look at the actual language of this proposed constitutional amendment that Senator McClellan put forth, it actually says, quote, or it refers to, quote, the right to make and effectuate one's own decisions about all matters related to one's pregnancy. No, this is not what they're talking about. They don't aren't they're not actually talking about all options, including giving birth to your child, maybe putting it up for adoption, maybe becoming a mom yourself. Those are not the options that are on the table. And that's always been the irony to me when they talk about it's called reproductive freedom. We're talking reproduce means you actually create a new human being. Yeah. It's just amazing to me that we use these terminology. But but no, what they really want in this amendment is actually to make sure that there are no restrictions on abortion, not just the right to abortion, but no restrictions. And those in, the restrictions they're worried about are things like the actual law we have on the books for parental consent, that this girl was supposed to have her parent involved. They want to make sure that that can't exist in the future. They want to make sure all the laws that they struck that would have helped this girl, 24 hours where they absolutely would have had to uh, wait and couldn't have coursed her so fast. They want to make sure that, if, you know, if we could never pass a coerced abortion law that says, look, if you coerce somebody, you are in trouble also. So those are the things that they're actually talking about when they're trying to put forward this constitutional amendment. And it is not about all choices. Yeah, I think that is very important because you were saying to me that any of those uh, previous regulations that would, you know, try to give women informed consent or have them wait a little bit would have helped in this particular situation. Oh, even clinic safety laws. People gave us a hard time about clinic safety laws when you were on the left because they wanted to make sure that it was clear that, you know, we we were asking for things that were unreasonable. No, no, no. These were things that every facility that does anything else had to mm-hmm. abide by. But one of the things that's involved when you have clinic safety laws is you actually have inspections. So mm-hmm. you know someone's checking. If they knew someone was checking things like parental consent forms, mm-hmm. you'd be less likely to not let this girl or, or to let the girl go through with an abortion without having parental consent because you know somebody eventually is going to check those records. All of that is how you create an environment where even if we can't outlaw abortion, at least people in addition to the unborn child aren't dramatically harmed like this young girl was. Or you would have these measures ensuring that you get the proper ultrasound to know what stage of development your baby is. And in in this case, if we knew for sure 
that they knew what stage the baby was at. We would not have these questions about whether a chemical abortion was given too late. Yeah, and I mean, everybody, there was all this hubbub when we tried to pass that law and ultimately were successful before it was repealed. But people don't realize that it can be unsafe to do certain types of abortion at certain, if you don't know exactly what the gestational age of that child is, a chemical abortion should not be applied because you might be applying that medicine, that medicine, that's a terrible word for that, that drug after when it's actually supposed to be applied. And the same thing is true about if, if you know, if third trimester abortions are illegal in Virginia, but you don't know it's a third trimester, then, oh, look, you can do something that's completely legal and harmful to the woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Well, let's just quickly recap where things stand right now um, coming out of the General Assembly for this year. Um <laughs> The, the constitutional amendment that we've been talking about failed. Thank you, Lord. Yes, right. we are very thankful that it failed. And they tried everything. I mean, they really did. They passed it through the Senate. They, it died in a House committee, and they tried this very unusual procedure called a discharge motion to actually try to ignore the committee vote that had killed it and bring it to the full floor. I don't know what they thought that would do because I still think we have 52 pro-life votes on the House floor, but they really wanted to get a House vote at the minimum, if not get this thing passed. So we are very grateful for where we are on that right now. But on the negative side of things, um, we did have many good pro-life bills defeated in the Senate. Yeah, we learned that our Senate Democrats are so extreme. And I say Democrats just because it is a party line issue over there. Our Senate Democrats are so extreme that they won't allow basic information for women. So there was a good informed consent improvement that they defeated. They won't allow... Uh, women to even go to we actually had a bill just trying to create a website that would put all of the support that a woman needs to find when they're pregnant on one website mm-hmm. so everywhere you can go to get financial help they, they won't even allow that they wouldn't allow a, a, the idea that we're going to administer care when a baby is born after a botched abortion so at that point we're talking about a live human being that has exited the womb and is in our world and they wouldn't even do that and so we've now seen and of course, 15 week bill, um, mm-hmm. that was something that really the majority of Virginians agree on. But banning abortions after, after the baby uh, feels they, pain. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is just trying to trying to say at this point, at least we can all agree at that moment, we're not going to have an abortion. So we really got to see how extreme and how out of step with the average Virginian that our Senate really is. Yeah, we know from polls that people do not want unlimited abortion you know, up to birth or to leave a baby on the table to die. Virginians, the majority of Virginians do not want that. Um, You know, we can't say that they want to completely ban abortion, but they don't want the the so-called extremist version of this. And that's what we're seeing. If you look at what the left is saying right now, they're walking around with a poll saying Virginians like the laws where they are. But then if you actually ask Virginians, what are the laws on abortion? They have no idea. They think there's something that they're not. So they think we have these middle-of-the-road abortion laws where we do protect some things and we do make sure that extreme situations don't occur. And so therefore they say, well, yeah, we think the law. Well, Virginians are really very in the middle. And I wish they were where I am. I wish we had the majority of Virginians saying, no, we want to protect all human life. That's our goal is to bring people to an understanding that this is human life. That's not where they are, but they are absolutely not in favor of uh, not protecting babies born alive. They are absolutely okay with banning abortion from the moment an unborn child feels pain. Okay, so what do we do now? Obviously, something needs to be done about the Senate. We try not to be political on the show, but it's kind of (laughs) obvious that all the good pro-life bills were defeated and there was no compromise whatsoever, and it's all ending up in the Senate. So that's an obvious point, but... What do you say to people, you know, moving forward that care about the life issue and other family-friendly issues? 
Well, I, I can't help but say we have an election around the corner. I mean, there's no other way to put it that this November we can replace people who are so far outside the mainstream of Virginia. We can actually make better decisions. And so um, that's the first piece. Our advocacy has to remain faithful. So no matter what happens, we have to be that voice for the unborn. Obviously, as I mentioned, not all Virginians see it our way. They mm -hmm. don't understand this as a life issue in some cases. And so it's our job to have those conversations yes. with our friends and neighbors to bring them to the point where they understand this. And then ideally, they're going to vote for people who also yes. would then enact the kinds of laws that we think would protect the unborn and protect situations mm -hmm. like this young girl. I know we hear people saying they don't like to get political, but the reality is these policies do result in either actual lives being saved, actual babies, or you know, ba babies being killed. So that is a reality, it's up to us to speak up. Um, just to wrap up, I, I wanna mention to people to tune in next week because we just had too much to cover today and we couldn't get into some other important updates on laws that we've been tracking in the General Assembly on parental rights and a whole bunch of other things. So we're definitely going to have that wrap up next week. Um, but thank you for tuning in. And anything you have questions on, you can check it out at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.